Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today on Journey Women, I have the privilege of interviewing my friend, Laura Wiffler of the Risen Motherhood Podcast. Laura has been married for six years is mother to three precious little ones and is currently in the process of adopting two more from Eastern Europe. Laura's writing on motherhood and lifestyle has been featured on popular sites such as Baby Center, Design Sponge, and Scary Mommy. Currently, Laura is the co-founder and co-host of Risen Motherhood, a ministry and podcast for women who are striving for gospel-centered motherhood. Laura likes her coffee black, going on hikes, dabbling in DIY and decorating, reading books with real pages to turn, and having impromptu dance parties in the kitchen with her children. I cannot wait for you guys to hear from her on the topic of decorating today. We talk about everything from how the gospel relates to decorating to spray painting curtain rods. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, of course. I'm super happy to be here. Okay, so if you guys aren't familiar with Laura, she is half of Risen Motherhood which is a podcast, one of my favorites. She's written for lots of popular sites. And my absolute favorite thing about you, Laura, is that you know how to gospelize pretty much anything. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know about that, but that's very sweet of you to say. Well, today might prove it. I don't know if anybody knows how to gospelize decorating, but after (laughs) the show, you will. (laughs) That is hilarious. Yes, I know. I was just talking to someone today about theology of decorating and it was like, what is that? And I was like, well, let me tell you, this is this is fun. I'm excited to talk about it today. So. Oh, so you told somebody that you were talking about it and they're like, really? Are you serious? Exactly. Exactly. They were like, what does the gospel have to do with decorating? And you know what? I'm like, everything, everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So decorating is one of your side hobbies, correct? You know, I guess so. It's kind of hard for me to admit because, you know, I'm no, I'm no professional. I'm totally, I guess, self-taught or whatever. I don't know. I don't feel like I have skills. I just, you know, it's just something everyone does. Everyone decorates whether they think they do or not. You know, you, you, everyone has a chair, tables, all those things. And so um, I feel like it's not a special skill for me, but apparently, you know, yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm getting all red in the face right now if you could see me (laughs) (laughs) well I've seen pictures of your house and that is why I asked you to speak on this topic because I think it's something that it's hard for us to connect to just our spirituality and decorating so I know actually there's there's a dual um, purpose for this whole show because you're going to take something really really hard to attach the gospel to and you're going to show us how it's done and you're also (laughs) going to help us learn how to frame decorating under the context of the gospel so I'm so excited. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I love your show. So this is really fun to be. It's fun to be on the interview side of things because that's not the side that I'm usually on. So oh, yeah. Awesome. You don't have to do any work except for talk. 
That's so exactly. excellent. And I'm good at that. Oh, man. We figured that out <laughs> together over Voxer, which is so yes. great. We're both like, wait a second, we just hit 15 minutes? Oh, no. Oh, I know. That's so bad when it cuts you off. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> or when you talk to yourself for like two minutes and then you realize, <laughs> oh, I'm having a conversation with my own self. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you've told me before your family's history with art and design. And I'd love for the listeners to hear a little bit of that story as well as how you became interested in design work yourself. Sure. Yeah. So my dad is an artist. Um, he was a ceramics artist. We lived on the East Coast and he did a lot of shows up and down the East Coast. So I was, I'm a Midwest girl now and would claim to be a Midwest girl still, but I was born out in the East Coast. Um, and he just dabbled in all sorts of different fine arts um, and became a professor when we moved back here to the Midwest. And um, so I suppose there's like an element of that artistry uh, that bleeds into kind of the way that I've decorated my home and the way that I've done things. And um, I've always wished that I had gotten his drawing skills or, you know, some of those those really amazing skills that he has. But um, it comes out in other ways, I suppose. I've it totally does. Let me just rag on her. I have had so many people say with Risen Motherhood's branding that it is like their favorite branding on oh. the Internet. And Laura totally oh. did that by herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is mind blowing. Yeah. Well, and I think th- it's good for me to remember like that I got that from my dad or because I don't I don't think about it as anything unique or special. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just It's a gift. It comes yeah. naturally to you. Lucky duck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I guess like I took that I remember in high school I um wanted to design my own room. And at this time I was not very good clearly because I chose teal for my walls Ooh. and uh, my parents graciously let me paint and I chose red and black accents. Oh my classic high wow. school. Like what was I thinking? But I loved it. I, when it was my first chance to like take the reins, I'm doing it. And thankfully um, I've grown in my skills a bit since then. And my husband and I, we purchased a, a 1920s Sears craftsman house in Minneapolis. We lived in Minneapolis proper and that home, that poor home, <laughs> because it was my design lab, you know, it's yeah. a beautiful home. It had this great woodwork and all these built-ins and it was not my style, the way that people had currently decorated it. So I knew I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what to do differently. Or I didn't know how to do anything differently. So I just started shooting from the hip and doing all sorts of things, painting the walls and rearranging furniture, purchasing new things, changing all the fixtures. So that home is where I really learned. I suppose you could say I got design chops from that house. I love that. Yeah. So I was grateful for that house. But I know that I'm sure when people came into it, they were like, you have design schizophrenia. Like this house, it changes every time I come in here. I don't know what your style is, girl. And I don't know what's working and what's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true how it evolves over time. I mean, I'll never forget whenever Brooks and I first got our little tiny apartment right after we were married. And we literally only had the table that he had in college, which Mm -hmm. I asked him at one point, what are the odds that I'm sitting at a table where a man has sat in the nude? And he said, 100%. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, get out the Clorox wipes. Time for a new table. My sister-in-law has that table now. But we had that table and we had a big plaid chair. We endearingly nicknamed it Big Plaid. And trying to figure... Yes, trying to move forward and figure out what is my style from those two pieces was a challenge. Goodness, I hear you. I mean, and I think styles can change, thank goodness. But I think that is the hardest part about design is really narrowing down, you know, what do I love and what's achievable? Um, Those two things are um, 
difficult to marry at times because we all love Pinterest, but what's really achievable on our budgets and, you know, on the space of our homes, the architecture of our homes, that the bones that we have to work in, those are sometimes hard things to marry. And And it takes time. You know, I mean, when you first get married, you just have a couple of pieces. Maybe you have to go to Ikea like I did. (laughs) Maybe you're like shopping on Craigslist. I mean, probably 50% of my stuff is off of Craigslist. Yes. Same here. And I love Ikea. A good, yes, I love a Craigslist buy. I love Ikea hacking. I mean, those two things are right up my alley for sure. Okay. I can't wait to talk more about (laughs) tips. But before we get there, I would love for you just to go ahead and lay the foundation for what the connection is between design and like creating in our homes and our spirituality. Can you gospelize this for (laughs) us, Laura? Yes, I can try. I feel like you've kind of set me up pretty high here. But um, (laughs) so to kind of just start with, I think we know that God loves beauty. I mean, he is the inventor of beauty. He embodies all beauty. And so I love just thinking about how as image bearers of God, um, we can see how we get our creativity directly from him. So God is so creative. I mean, all we have to look is right outside our doors and look at, you know, the petals of a flower or, you know, the red flesh on a tomato and how smooth and beautiful that is. Or, you know, maybe we go on a big trip and you look at the Grand Tetons or you check out the Grand Canyon. I mean, you just see God's handiwork and his love for beautiful things all around you. And and that's all in the creation account of Genesis 1. I mean, I don't know. It just gets me every time when I think about God created color and color is so beautiful. Gosh, like yes. I don't know. So how we can, in the world? <laughs> exactly. And and yeah, we can't invent a new color. I have tried many times. I don't know if you did that when you were a kid, but try to invent a new color and never work. New color combos, though, with the teal, red and black. That oh, might have yeah. been totally you. I rock that. I think I'm the only person in the world that's probably done that. So good. So I just love I love thinking about how as image bearers of Christ, we can totally embody his love for beauty. And of course, we also see his love for creativity and, and beauty in other areas of the Bible. So um, take the temple or all the yeah. intricacies of the tabernacle. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Or the beautiful priestly garments and the detail that he had so for them. So much detail. Exactly. And so we see that God cares about these things. Down to the and- tassel, which is so in style <laughs> right now. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Tassels are hip. That's true. And another thing, too, is is looking at great design also takes into account great order and function. And so that's another thing that we can image from God. And so we see God's love for order in time and space, like how um, the planets rotate and they don't run into one another, how the tides work. Um, we see it in, in how he has designed families with husbands at the head and children are to obey their parents. We see it in the church, you know, with elders and deacons and how that's structured. And even in the Old Testament, again, going back there, we see it in the detail that he has given in the Levitical law, in the atonements, um, just all the ceremonies that he had and all of the orders. So I think those are two key things that we can image God in is his love for beauty and creation and the things that he's done, and then also his love for order and function. You're getting me fired up about decorating. <laughs> and I am actually really passionate about decorating, but I'm one of those that has the limited resources piece. Yes. So it makes it a little harder to get fired up. And I also move every two years. So it's like, yes. okay, how excited are you going to get about a space that you're going to be in for two years? Totally get that. I mean, that's definitely a really tough spot. And I feel like I have a couple thoughts on that, but 
yeah, that's, that's a tough spot to be in. I know when you're moving a lot, cause it can just feel like, well, I'm not going to be here very long. So why should I put any effort into this? You know? Exactly. Okay. We're going to pocket that for later, but I want to flush through a little bit of what you just mentioned when you're saying we can image God who is a creator and designer and who is orderly. I want to flush it out a little bit more. Can we glorify God through something as simple and as seemingly trite as decorating our homes? Yes. Great question. And the answer is is a huge yes. And so I think we as believers kind of have a, a charge to create a home that is a refuge for the people who live there. And so what I mean by that uh. is creating a place that is um, beautiful and has significance for those people and, and it meets the people's needs who live there. But Ultimately, our home should serve as a platform or a vehicle for the spread of the gospel, for mm. the Great Commission and making disciples. So yes. I, th- I think the the tricky thing is that the the world's definition um, of decorating, you know, means let's go buy everything from the latest CB2 catalog or yeah. let's make sure this looks like Architectural Digest or, you know, follows those latest kitchen trends of brass and white and the reclaimed wood and all of those things. That's where the mix-up happens. You know, Mm -hmm. people begin to use the world standards to define what decorating is or what a beautiful home is. And I think that the thing we have to look at is how do I create a space in the place that I live that loves these people well and feels unique and special to them and also fosters an environment that creates spaces for people to connect and develop relationships. So that second part is so key. Um, As I said before, our highest priority should be using our homes as a vehicle to participate in the Great Commission. So that includes the people who live there. But then also there's a huge component of hospitality, you know, looking at how do we invite other people in? Do they feel welcome? Do they want to be in our home and spend time here? And so how can I best use the things that I already have? You know, this isn't talking about going to buy, going and buying things. This might mean you just need to rearrange the furniture so people can feel welcome to have a conversation. Or maybe it is buying a light from anywhere. It can be a thrift store or a, a very expensive store, whatever, but it's buying a light and maybe your child loves to read in this certain chair and just needs a light in the evening, you know, mm. to enjoy that book. Or maybe it's buying some extra plates from a thrift store so that you have enough to serve dessert when guests come over. So it's a heart check, I think, of saying, am I buying this or am I doing this? Am I arranging this? Am I decorating for God's glory or for my own? You know, am I loving myself in this and wanting my own glory or am I loving God and those around me? Yeah, that's so good because I think you'll probably make different decisions even practically with what you're choosing if you're thinking through it with that framework versus thinking through it, how am I going to design this space in the way that is the most, I don't know, Pinterest perfect or Instagram worthy. So I've totally, I think I've actually faltered in the direction of doing it. I don't know. I bought a white couch, Laura. Oh, girl, that's one of my tips for young moms. Don't buy white. Yes. And I love my white couch and the way our family is set up. It works for us. But I have noticed and I don't get stressed out about the white couch because you just bleach that sucker. Thank God. There you go. I mean, you can take all the covers off and they all can be line giant. And ultimately, if it all goes south, I can buy a new cover for the entire thing and recover it. That's awesome. If this goes south, then I'm just going to go for the beige. There you go. (laughs) Beige hides all. (laughs) But I actually have noticed that people get nervous. They get nervous Mm -hmm. about my white couch. And I'm like, oh, you don't. Sometimes I'll actually bust out white sheets and put them over the white couch just so I can say, hey, guys, like no worries about the couch. It's covered in Mm -hmm. sheets. But to have to worry about it in that way 
and and to make people feel as though they can't be 100% comfortable because they're like worried about spilling their wine on the couch or something. Exactly. Yeah, probably working against my goal. Yeah, I know. I have this really fluffy white rug and the same exact thing happens. I mean, it's so comfortable underfoot. My kids literally like try to cuddle with it. Um, It's kind of weird looking, but they (laughs) love this fluffy white rug. And I feel like though people are the same way is that they just don't, you know, they got to make, they take off their shoes and they don't want to have drinks on it. And I'm like, no, no, destroy it. That's what it's here for. It's here to use. But yes. that's a really good point when we think through design decisions is that we really need to say like, will people be comfortable here? And sometimes it is sacrificing style, at least the style that you want in lieu of something that might be um, a little more practical for people to enjoy. Totally. Well, I really appreciate how you said that you might design your space differently based on how you know, welcoming people into the space for the purpose of sharing the gospel. So are there other practical ways that you would intentionally design or decorate a space for the purpose of glorifying God? Yeah, I think this is like such a good question. You have amazing questions, Hunter, I will say on all of your shows. And these were, these were great questions for decorating. So I think, um, I have a couple questions that I try to think through. I think what we're talking about right now about the materials that we've chosen uh, with white and the color, I guess. So asking yourself what materials, what fabrics, shapes, items are best for the makeup of the people who live here. So as we've discussed for little kids, like (laughs) usually, you know, white isn't the greatest. We Hmm. both have white. So what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, choosing fabrics that um, are maybe they're indoor outdoor fabrics. Maybe they're scotch guarded like you. You have a slip cover. You know, there are ways around that or thinking through, um, you know, again, with toddlers, having softer surfaces or keeping your breakables out of sight. You know, life with littles is probably not the time to display, you know, that beautiful vase that you inherited on a low bookshelf. It's just not the season of life. Especially when you're hosting, because it's not just your kids, because I used to think about this differently. I thought I'm going to train my children to Mm -hmm. behave a certain way in our space. And I think there's something to be said for that. But we have kids over Every single day, if the other children coming into our home can't be comfortable in the space and if their mom is having to constantly coach because of the way that I have the space designed, then again, it's just working kind of against my whole goal. Exactly. I think that's such a good point is that you can train your children to do one thing, but if you can eliminate issues for other people, I mean, they're just going to feel that much more comfortable in your space and want to come back. Right. Okay, so the second question that I kind of have is how does my home, the decorating in my home, reflect our family's interests, their, our values, or our unique giftings? Mm. A lot of this is personal style. So this is where you can really like, you love color, go crazy with color. You love neutrals, keep it subdued, you know, whatever that might be. But also thinking through what are those things that we want to value? Uh, So maybe, you know, if maybe if it's like a college girl or a young single person, maybe they've traveled a ton and want to display all the places, you know, things that they've collected. Maybe it's making sure that those are out or the art that they've collected is hung on the walls. Maybe it's creating a space for Legos for your seven-year-old boy and finally taking time to organize those. Maybe your family loves music. Maybe it's making a music room or it's it's displaying the guitars on the wall so that people want to play them more. You know, it's thinking through what are the things that we want to place a high value on and how can I create a space that serves that and makes it easier for everyone in the house to be able to enjoy those things. Absolutely. Man, my mother-in-law does this really well because my husband and his family lived overseas for five, four or five years in Japan, and they have different relics from their time in Japan on the walls. And it's just a cool way to show this is kind of our family history and our interests, like you were saying. 
Exactly. I feel like a lot of times those things just end up in storage somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's just really great to think through, okay, what do, what do we already have again? And how can I intentionally display those to make our home more welcoming? That's all design really is. <laughs> do you think that you have to almost get other stuff out of the way to be able to do that? Because I'm thinking through all my stuff and I'm like, yes, I want to highlight certain things, but sometimes I just have too much stuff. Mm, Amen. I think editing is a lost art. And so taking away things and decluttering. And I mean, as you said, with with people who move a lot too, you have kind of a great chance to edit and to, to take things away. And so I definitely think at times, a majority of the time when I walk into someone's home, even my own, I'm like, oh man, I need to get rid of half this stuff. You know, yeah. it's just, it's amazing how we can collect things and you, you don't even realize the mess that's all around you and how good it feels to get rid of some of that stuff. Yes, it really does. And I will tell you, we have moved five times in the last five years. Again, oh, every girl. single time we move, we used to do it ourselves. You can do something with the military where you do it yourself and then they pay you like your movers. Mm. Yeah, it's a great deal when you don't have yeah. kids. I mean, yeah. I've never tried it when I do have kids. <laughs> I don't know. I every time have an opportunity to go through my stuff. And it's always amazing to me how many things I have and I don't use. It's actually really sad. Yeah, I, I would agree that it is hard to see how quickly we can collect things and not even know it. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Okay, so what other tips do you have for those of us who move often? I know I have a lot of military listeners and people who have moved in the business world and stuff like that. Do you have any biblical encouragement for those of us who live just really transient lives and or decorating tips for us? Yes. So yeah, I have a a few practical things I think here. And as we kind of keep talking about is that decorating is really just being intentional with what you already own. So especially if you move a lot, you probably don't want to be adding a ton to your home or investing a ton of money into a space. And so it's really, as I kind of talked about before is oh, should I re look at this furniture with a fresh eye and how I can create a more cozy space or, you know, look at other free things that you can bring into your home. Again, going back to God's creation, you know, can you grab some flowers from your garden or or from the ditch or even like hostas? Everyone has hostas and those are so cute in a little vase. I see them on the designer blogs all the time. I'm like, that is a hosta and it's in like, that room costs a lot of money. I'll just put it that way. And they got a hosta on their kitchen table. And so, you know, it's just, amazing how we can bring in some of these smaller free things to just make a home more welcoming. Um, Maybe hanging your kids art on the wall is another one. Like I know my kitchen is just full of my kids artwork and I I love it. I saw that on your Instagram. Is that the picture that you posted on Instagram? 
I, yeah, I'm not sure which one, but we definitely have like two walls that are just I literally floor to floor to ceiling. It is all pictures and my kids artwork and it's ever evolving and changing. My kids are so proud of it. And it's, it's just really fun to see like they live here, you know, and so they have ownership and they want to show it to everybody. And I love it because it was kind of a space that I didn't know what to do with. And so we just turned it into the art wall. I think I saw it. It's like on the corner. Is that correct? Yes, it's on the corner. I did. And by the way, I just had to Google Hosta. Oh, funny. (laughs) Do you have any hostas in your yard? I don't know. I'm going to have to go hunting for them tomorrow. But pine cones, I use pine cones a lot. See, pine cones or pine branches, cutting, you know, bringing cuttings in from the yard. I think another thing, too, as we kind of touched on is don't be afraid of the thrift store, Craigslist, estate sales, saying yes. Grandma's attempting to clean out all her stuff. I don't know if anyone else goes through that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the items that have stories and age to them. And I think especially if you're living in like maybe a more, you know, builder grade apartment or home like many of us live in, those are the things that are really going to bring character and warmth to your home. And it's it's good for the earth. It's good for your pocketbook. And I think it's kind of fun to spend an afternoon, you know, looking at a thrift store. So I think too, with the thrift items, Um, I wish more people were not afraid of making mistakes and weren't afraid of doing DIY. I think there's just paint it up. I love DIY. So like my blog originally way back when, when I blogged, does it still exist by the way? It's still out there. It's still online. It's just, I don't have have to link to it. Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, Oh no, Hunter. (laughs) Yeah. What's on there? I should delete things. No. (laughs) So, but I think like the thing with design, it takes a lot of mistakes to get to where you want oh, to be. It so does. I wish you guys could have seen the Asian looking couch that I bought originally. It was so bad. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Mistakes, they're, they're part of the creative process, right? It doesn't matter what you do, but you're going to make mistakes. So you might as well just get started on making them, you yes. know? And I think that with DIY, like everything online is accessible now. I mean, you can build things from scratch and, and they walk you through every step or, you know, spray paint is like my best friend. So if you're moving a lot, is there a way you can spray a lamp to match the new room that you're in? And I think like one thing we have is I really wanted brass curtain rods. Brass okay. curtain rods are very, very expensive. So I went out and bought a $5 rod from Ikea, spray painted that sucker brass, oh, added yeah. a little you know, sealant to it. And it's a, a brass looking curtain rod. Thankfully, it's far away from the eye, so you can't get super close to it. But um, you know, for the cost of hardly anything. And so I think it's just getting creative and, and not being afraid to say, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. Yes get back up and and try something again. I think there's so much to be said for what you were talking about when you suggested just kind of loosening your hands on stuff, because that's one of the things that I've told people moving multiple times in the military. I just had to be ready at any given moment to give or get rid of anything that I have, because we may not have any space for it in our new location. Right. Yes. And I think that that is what we naturally want to do is just clench our fish. And I know my parents always said to me, Laura, if you cannot let someone have it right now, like literally just have it, you shouldn't, Mm. you shouldn't even have it. And so it was like literally even down to like letting a friend borrow my car in college. They're like, if you can't let someone, you know, who needs that car in that moment, drive your car, like you probably shouldn't own it. It's probably too nice of a car. You know, yes. you probably let him borrow a beater, but you're not going to let him borrow a Mercedes. I did not drive a Mercedes, but just for the, the example here, you know, and so I think a lot of what we purchase and the decisions that we make, we need to be prepared to say, do I have an open hand on this? Could someone take this 
from me right now or could they break it you know by accident and I would be okay and oh, that's a, yes. a hard question sometimes yes because that's exactly what happens to us as military we have movers come in they load everything up literally in just a couple of hours it is such an insane frenzy I literally found my orchid a live plant packed in a box <laughs> <laughs> when I unpacked last time, I was like, "Why, hello there, little guy." He was that just is hilarious. So dead. Oh, yeah. poor guy. they are moving fast. They didn't even take time to figure out that that was real. They will oh, pack my- your trash. I am not making this up. Wow. They will actually pack your trash if you don't set it aside and say no thanks. They were packing my packed suitcase oh, in a box, goodness. and I'm they like, so "Guys, thorough. calm down." <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. But, wow, you know, crazy. if they break something, I have to just be ready to be like, you know what? It's not a big deal. And that's why I get a lot of what I own off Craigslist or on Ikea. Yes, exactly. And, and you just don't have a guarantee that one thing's going to fit from one space to the next space. And so it's really not worth, you know, buying heirloom quality furniture at this point or anything like that. Okay. But there, what is the encouragement to go ahead and decorate anyways? Because I think what I've seen a lot of my fellow military do is, and I'm not shaming at all, totally been there at some points, but you just kind of throw up your hands and say, oh, well, you know, just no pictures on the walls, nothing, because they know they're going to leave pretty shortly thereafter. So what kind of encouragement do you have to actually try? Yes, that is such a good question. And, you know, I've never moved that frequently or consistently. I mean, I did live in a small apartment for two months um, as temporary housing when we moved here to Chicago, but mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't admittedly take a lot of time to decorate at that point. But I think it's important to remember that you can image God's love of beauty, like no matter where you live. And so we all find excuses not to decorate. I mean, even I know people who've lived in a home for 10 years and said, oh, it's not my forever home. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put the money in. I'm not going to put the energy in. So everyone can fall into that trap. But it's important to remember that our homes are places that we do have influence and authority in, no matter who lives there and no matter how long we live there, we need to love those people well and create spaces where people do feel welcome. So just remembering and going back to like, what's the why behind design? But then I think that um, one like really practical tip, I guess I would say is something my husband and I have done just with decorating is that I have a budget and he doesn't care how that budget is spent, but, and he doesn't know like all the little things and where everything went. Mm -hmm. But one thing I would encourage families to do no matter where they're at to in stage of life, but just to say like, okay, here's every time we move, here's my budget. You know, I've got this amount of money. We've decided this when we're both level headed, when we both can talk through the value of, Hey, we both value husband and wife or whoever lives there. We value that our home is welcoming. Our home does make our kids enjoy being there, you know, or whoever lives there is, it likes the house. It functions well for us. And so if you guys can settle on a number before you move, to say, this is what we're going to do, then I think it takes away a lot of stress once you need to move and you're like, I need a new couch because this couch does not fit in this room or whatever it is. You've already set aside that money to be able to kind of go forth in freedom. So I don't know. That's a very practical thing. But I, I think I would just encourage women that no matter where they live and how long they're there, like their homes are places to be used as, again, a tool for the Great Commission. And you want people to come in and feel welcome. It doesn't mean it has to look, 
like this amazing out of a magazine piece, but mm-hmm. that there is thought put into your home and that there is, you know, you've just intentionally put pieces together. And so another tip too is hang art. That's a practical tip, but a lot of people don't hang art. I've always heard that that's one of the last things people do. And mm-hmm. it's the number one thing you can do to make people feel welcome is like photos and art. It really makes a house feel like home. So this is so creepy. This is level 10 creepy. <laughs> but I love the piece of art that's hanging behind your bed in the family photo that you recently posted oh, on Instagram. That is that's so beautiful. Creepy. Oh, thank you. It's actually from Bulgaria and we're adopting, you know, two kids from Bulgaria. And so it's from an artist over there. And I'm hoping to visit her shop when we go pick up our kids, which TBD, I don't know when that is for the record. So it has a little bit of meaning for us too. Okay. That's really cool. Cause see with art, that is one thing that is hard for me. And you could totally speak into this because of your dad and your background with this, but lettering I can do, but it's hard for me to choose a piece of art. I had I, this is totally not on the list of questions that I sent to you, but <laughs> okay. do you have any tips for choosing artwork? Oh, that's such it is a really good question because I do feel like I always want art to have meaning, but admittedly I have this huge gallery wall in my living room and much of that art is like, oh, I like it and it's cheap, you know, type of thing. So I maybe not the best example of this, but No girl, this is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think it can go both ways. I mean, I've read arguments on all sides of like it all should have meaning and it all should just like, you know, you should have traveled to pick it up. And that's really, you know, I wish that that's what it was. But honestly, when I am at a market on vacation and I'm looking for art, it's too stressful for me. I'll just be honest. Like I can't make a decision. Oh, and so, yes, because I don't I, know how it's going to fit. That's the thing. Yes. And I do think there's an element of long term like money savings and Uh, I'll call it brain savings, like your brain space, you know, we only Mm -hmm. have so much. And when you're saying, okay, I'm intentionally shopping for this one thing, like I need this piece of art to fill this area. I know the dimensions it needs to be. I know the colors that I'm thinking it should be. It should have some blues or whatever. And you're able to go out and look for that specific piece. I mean, it's the whole idea behind a capsule wardrobe, right? Where people find their hole, find the gap in their wardrobe, and they go out and they shop for just that piece. And I feel like sometimes in design, that's what needs to happen is that we say, okay, instead of like, I'm going to decorate my whole house at once, you know, and I'm going to try to do every room, really zeroing in on this wall or this, this, what's my living room? How does that function? Let's take one at a time and just do that. And I think that, um, you know, even with art of making decisions, I feel like I haven't answered your question, but it can be really helpful to just say, okay, here's the vibe I'm going for. And now let's look for something that I really love because I am going to be looking at it, you know, every day. So, yes, I need to start walking around my house, trying to figure out what vibe I'm going for. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that tends, I mean, for me, I always am just like walking around and like, oh, this is a little farmhouse and this is a little bohemian and this is a little bit modern and let's just go with, I'm eclectic, you know? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, I have like zero wall space in the current house that we're living in. I mean, it is just crazy. We, we downsized dramatically coming here, which is really refreshing actually, but Anyways, maybe next house, I'll get a piece of art. We always set aside, for military people, we set aside our, oh, what is it called? It's when we move, we get a moving stipend. We set aside our moving stipend for putting it back into the home, decorating, buying, you know, doormats or whatever. Okay, so you already have that budget thing set up. Yeah. Maybe my next moving settlement will go towards that. A piece of yes, art. Yes. And there's a lot of ways to get cheap art now, you know, with with all the online shops. Like there 
are ways to get, I mean, even Target has really beautiful pieces now. And yes, it was mass manufactured, but not many of us can pay for, you know, a $2,000 piece of oh. art that's original or something like that. Amen so into that. Okay. I don't know. Well, tell me, do you have any money saving tricks in that vein for those of us who don't have $2,000 to invest in artwork or anything else, even a couch? Yes. I feel like I use some of them already with just like the, you know, looking at different places to shop. Yeah. I think like the big thing is spray paint. I love spray paint. This is, you know, we're getting into nitty gritty practical. I wasn't thinking I wasn't going to share any of this stuff, but I love a good spray paint, $7 can of spray paint and how it transforms things. Um, and I would go back to just saying, you know, don't, if you're going to spend money, don't buy into the trends. Yes. So, um, I think to looking at your staples, so your beds, your dressers, bookshelves, dishes, things like that, things that typically like we like to last longer because they can last longer. Um, those might be worth putting a little more money into, but don't go too trendy on those types of things. You know, white dishes match everything yeah. or neutral is always a good option since it goes no matter what house you move into, no matter how you change the pillows, neutral furniture is going to work. So that's one thing. And then another one that I read on a blog that I've always appreciated was that when buying fabrics, spend the money on the fabrics that people get close to. Mm. So like pillows or uh, blankets and with curtains, you know, go Ikea, as cheap baby. as you possibly can. Yes, for sure. I mean, I get two panels for like 20 or 30 bucks. It's amazing. My entire house is pretty much Ikea panels. And so... But it's like thinking about what are people going to be close yeah. to or like my curtain rod example where I'm like, oh, that's way up high. Yes. Like if it's imperfect, it's no big deal, you know, and not that we can't have imperfection, you know, up close. But there's just like that idea of like, what is my cost value here and how close are people going to get? So where should I put my money for things? And and money is relative. I, that's the hard part about design is I think everyone starts saying we talk about design. And then we're going to be talking about money and spending a ton of it. And it doesn't have to be the case. And that's uh, hopefully that's coming across here in, in this interview a little bit. But that's money isn't always like design is not um, directly correlated to money. Is that exactly. right? Is that what you're going for? That is that is and exactly I what I am say, trying to Ahari, say. Here, here, you guys. So <laughs> I'll take a little Instagram video when this goes live and send it around. It's really interesting decorating a different space so frequently. I love our house that we're in, but it's really, really dark. That is so hard. I love natural light. I feel like it just makes everything happier. Well, kind of shifting gears a bit. Yes. I think it's a natural transition, just even thinking about me complaining about the darkness of my house. But what are some pitfalls or sins that we should be aware of when we are engaging in decorating our homes? Yeah, it's a really good question and, and something that I grapple with on a daily basis. I think I think it's first really important to remember that we are really dealing you know, this is a good problem to have is when you can't decide which lamp to buy. Or yeah. there are many people in the world who don't have those options, who don't even have a roof over their heads. So I think a lot of it is just the first thing I would say is a pitfall is when we're not grateful mm -hmm. for just the comfort that we live in, the privilege that we have to be able to even talk about this kind of thing or give thought to this. But then also, I think when it comes to decorating our homes, so as we move through through the decorating process, I think we fall into one of two camps. We have either pride about our abilities and we are proud of our own glory or our own self of the work that we've done in our right. home, or we have despair about our abilities that we don't have, the abilities we think we lack. So both of these things put glory on mm -hmm. ourselves and say, my house 
my decorating, my rooms, they're all about me. And they're really misplacing where identity should be found, which is in Christ, not in our skills or our lack of skills. So it's really important because I think in those in, in those times, we're totally putting ourselves in God's uh-huh. place, a place where we are never, ever meant to be. So I think it's important to remember that decorating and furniture, tchotchkes, those are all very neutral tools. So they're not sinful in and of themselves, right. but it is how we view and employ them that creates that sin in our lives. So it's that continual heart check of saying, you know, for me, I can be pretty, you know, proud. I'm like impressed with the job that I did in whatever room I was just working on. And I'm thinking, man, I am good at this. And then I pop on Instagram and I see this beautiful picture (laughs) and I'm thinking, I totally stink. I'm never having anyone over. This house is totally terrible and I need to redo from scratch. You know, I mean, I literally can swing within (laughs) 10 seconds. So I want to be the first to admit that this is so sanctifying for me, but it's that continual heart check of saying, are my motives to create a home that serves God's glory and God's purposes, or is it to create my own um, glorification or my own, you know, um, just for, for myself yeah. and so people are impressed with me. Girl, yes. And I think if you're sitting there waiting for the compliments, then you might know that there may be something a little off, which totally yes. happens after I've done a DIY. I'm not going to lie. Right. Exactly. You want people to <laughs> notice pat hutch. you on the back? Did you see the hutch in the corner? <laughs> I didn't just spout off like 10 cuss words yesterday when I was painting it or anything, but... It's done and it's beautiful now. So tell me about it. Okay, so if somebody's listening and they feel convicted about potentially idolizing their home or decorating for selfish gain, what encouragement do you have for them? Yeah, this is a really good question. So again, this happens to me all the time when I'm not being careful. My emotions rise or fall based on where I'm putting my identity. And so when we are doing this, we're putting our hope in the wrong things. And, you know, these are the things that moth and rust are going to destroy. They're going to fade. They're going to be gone. They're going to burn. And so just keeping that perspective on this, but remembering that when we place those things with too high of a value, the beautiful thing is we can always confess that to God, come on our knees before the throne and trust that Mm -hmm. Christ's redemption means that all of our needs are met in him. And there is always forgiveness at the cross. And because of that cross, we no not longer need to look at other things like the decorations, the furniture, the overall design of a room. And if it looks like it should be on Instagram, mm-hmm. we are free to rest in Christ. And we're free to ask him to use the things that we have in our home, the things that we already own, the things that he has gifted us in our personality, the ways that we can spend our time, the talents that we have. We can ask him to show us, you know, how can I best use this to minister and love other people with what I already have um, without needing that affirmation from other people. So I would just say, go back to the cross, go back to the cross, because that is where Christ will meet you, you know, every time and that we are going to sin in this area. You are going to struggle with it. We are human and imperfect, but praise God that there is always forgiveness when we repent and come to him. See guys, I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. And honestly, even if you don't consider yourself a mother, I have said this on Instagram many times, you should totally go and follow Risen Motherhood. And this is one of the reasons why, because they do an amazing job of tethering every single thing that they talk about back to the gospel. And it's something that I study by watching their Instagram feed and listening to their podcast. So thank you so much. And tell Emily, I said thank you too. (laughs) Will do. Thank you. You're very kind. We've already heard one of your favorite resources, which is spray paint, but I'll give you another three. 
(laughs) (laughs) So generous. Thank you. Okay. Three favorite uh, resources for design. So I think number one is friends. Um, If you have a girlfriend or a family member that is good at design, ask them. Or maybe they're really good at being organized. Ask them to come over and bring order to your home. I think it's the highest compliment you can give someone when you say, I love what you've done. Can you come do that at my house? I mean, who doesn't want to hear that? It's a great bonding time for you two as girlfriends. And I think that it's just, it's a resource that we don't use enough, you know, is seeing what our friends' skills are. And she gets to spend your money then. Exactly. Ooh, that is the most fun. I love it when people ask me to help and they're like, here's my budget. I'm like, we're going to Target. Let's go. I I can just see your game face coming over you. (laughs) You better believe it is on. Grab your bags. So number two, I would say are Instagram or blogs. So again, this is a little bit of dangerous territory. So use at your own risk. Um, But specifically, if I'm going to give a specific blogger, I really like style by Emily Henderson. And the reason I like her, so she's a designer used to style for anthropology. She now owns her own design firm and she, she is very, 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 very open about the design process. So she is, gives all the behind the scenes so you can know how she got to her decisions. She does these amazing roundups. So if you're looking for a couch and you're like, I want a $300 couch, I want a $2,000 couch, whatever, you'll find it on her website. She does these really great roundups that I think I've just accessed a lot and been able to say, oh, okay, like I didn't even know that was out there. And also she just gives you this really great peek behind the curtain for a professional interior designer so you can kind of learn how it works and apply it to your own home. Okay, we'll link to that in the show notes for sure. And then my third one is actually visiting home stores. So this is another use at your own risk uh, tip. Okay. I don't even know what that is. Home stores, just in general. West Elm. Okay, okay. Yeah, general. Crate and Barrel, Shopping West in Elm. person. I've never done that before. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, with online these days, it's like all my clothes I, I shop know, online. Man. I never walk to the store, so I might believe it. But, you know, I think they, they just have really great ideas. If you go into a store... You can tell how the textures work together, how the colors work together, maybe scale. You can see it a lot better than maybe what you would see on Pinterest or something like that. And so I always feel like I get really good ideas when I go into a store and say, well, I have, you know, I have a lamp sort of like that yeah. or I have a, a plant. A lot of times they bring in plants. They're not selling them, but they have a lot of house plants. I don't know. They're in right now. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. I have that plant. I could put it in a pot like that, that I already own that's similar. And so I just think you can get a lot of good ideas when you just walk around a store and, you know, leave your wallet at home, but, um, get some ideas. I, those are like my three big tips, I yes, guess. I don't know. Leave your wallet and your kids. Oh, amen to that. Don't do it with your kids. <laughs> that's a nightmare waiting to happen. I love them. Those yes. are great. I'm excited. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I'll let you know. Okay, so tell me, Laura, what are three of your simple joys in life? I ask this to every guest and I want to hear yours. It's a fun question to think through. So this is really lame, but I love those food videos that people post on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yes, I know what you're you know, talking about. Yes, like the fast action <laughs> where they're creating this recipe or maybe they're decorating a cookie. And I like now that I'm nursing, you know, I'm up three times a night. I Last night, I just like followed all these new food bloggers on Instagram so I could have more food videos in my feed. Yes, to watch. and you're starving too. So it's like, okay, exactly. just go to the kitchen right afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'll probably pull out, you know, like fast food or yeah. whatever yeah. instead of the homemade things that I just saw. But yeah, I just love those. It's kind of weird. And they suck you in. I'm not going to lie. I literally will watch them for like a half an hour and just burn time. I don't know. I know some people like cat videos. I love food videos. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. Okay. Food videos. What are your two other simple joys? 
So I love 5 a.m. wake up. Oh, yes. And this is totally kindred heart right here. Are you able to wake up early right now? Yeah. What time are you having to wake yes, up? Yes, I, w- I usually wake up about 5.30. What time does Davy get up? She wakes up around 7. Oh, how nice. Oh, man, you get an hour and a half. So that is what I am looking forward to. Yes. Currently, I'm waking up with, you know, my four-year-old in bed, my two-year-old asking to get out of her crib, and my newborn crying probably. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. And so I feel like, and that's at like 7 a.m. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I can go back to these. But I love waking early drinking a cup of coffee hot all the way to the bottom at my leisure and, you know, doing Bible study and getting a head start on work. It's a really peaceful, wonderful way to start the day. One of the moms that I love, I can't, I can't remember exactly how she said it, but she was like, you have to start the day to greet your kids. You need to greet your kids Mm -hmm. in the morning instead of them greeting you. And I agree though, that, that newborn period that you're in right now, that's why I think it's so hard for me because I can't do yeah. that. And it really helps me reset my day and just get ready for the day to do that. Completely. Everyone's just you. like, mic drop. Wait a second. She's recording a podcast and she has like a two month old. What? <laughs> a six week. Oh my six goodness. Weeks. See what I mean, people? Yeah. This girl's got a capacity oh. that astounds no, me. Girl, I fell off the grid. You know it. I fell off the grid for like four weeks and I'm just coming out of my hole here. But Okay, so number three, I think we're yes. on. I don't You're know. You're trying to change the subject. Okay. <laughs> I am. I totally am. <laughs> All right, number three. I'll let you do it. All right, thank you. So I love a, just a good book to escape in. Um, I really like, a, but a fiction okay, book. Okay, yes, give so us some of your faves. Uh, okay. Faves. Let's see. Oh gosh. I feel like what have I recently read? Um, I reread Anne of Green Gables. Oh, so yes. I know it's a classic. I love it. Do you like I it? I'm obsessed oh, with Anne of Green Gables. No, she's like, I want to be her and best with friend. Me. I know. Yes. Have you watched that on Netflix? I have not watched it on Netflix. I've watched the old school ones. I was totally in love yes. with Gilbert Blythe. Yes. Wasn't every girl. <laughs> every nerdy girl. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Yes. So, and I love a good fantasy. I don't know. I was thinking about, I loved Harry Potter series, but that's probably too much of a fallback or a stereotypical fallback. I just read um, the Wingfeather Saga. Ooh, I, I don't know. Have you heard, heard of that, that one? No. So it's written, oh, I forgot his name right now, but um, he's a believer and it's got, you know, a lot of Christian themes to it. And so I would, I don't know, I think I would recommend that. It was really, really good. And I read it in literally like, I think a Ooh, week, all the best four kind. books. Whoa. I know, Holy I know I'm kind of a crazy person. So I don't think I had the kids that week. There was something going on that I didn't have the kids, but I, that's why I save them only for times. I do not crack a fiction book unless I have yeah. either I'm on vacation or I have no kids. Like I can't because I'm that person that has no self-control. I neglect all responsibility and stay up till 3am. Like I just, I don't know. I can't do it. I can stop a mid- video midway A video. Wow. <laughs> don't I sound old? <laughs> Except for the ones on Facebook. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Those ones I can never stop. I got to watch it all the way through. <laughs> Good thing it's only 60 seconds. Okay, yes. yes. Well, we'll have to exchange more titles later. Are you on Goodreads? I am, but it's not updated, okay. but I, I am over there. So let's connect. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I haven't really had time to read with this new podcasting endeavor, and I really miss it. Oh. So reading is just like super life giving. Yes, it just takes you to another world, and I love that. Yes. Well, Laura. I can't even believe it. This is my last question and I'm really, really sad. Thanks for chatting with me. But I always ask my guests because I know you are a journey woman yourself. And I would just love to hear who has had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus. 
this is an awesome question. I always love listening to everyone's answers. And I feel like I have been really blessed to have many, many, many people pour into me, men and women alike. I've just, God has been really gracious with people to um, just surround me and really encourage me and teach me different things. But I would, I would have to say, if I narrow it down, it would be my parents. Mm. You know, I was so blessed to be raised with parents who modeled the gospel daily. I mean, their faith were so real and so authentic and it almost seemed easy. It, it wasn't like it wasn't without struggle. Right. And I appreciate it because I saw that, but their faith was just so steadfast in Christ that like, I never doubted it or had a lot of questions. And, you know, as I got older, they became more vulnerable with me about, you know, questions that they might have about their mm-hmm. faith or, or just like what the Bible says about things. But they, and, and also they became vulnerable about areas that they desired growth or change in. And so I just feel like they were just so real with showing me what a life dedicated to Christ looks like and what a life that is humble and leans on Jesus day in and day out, like what that looks like. And I think that's partially like kind of what we were talking about before, why I am not afraid of making mistakes mm. or I'm, I'm not afraid of trying new things. I feel like I'm, I'm a pretty fearless person. Like, when it comes to trying out new things. And much of that, I really believe, comes back to my parents just saying, like, God's grace will always meet you. You know, you have that saved for you in your past, you have it in your present, and you have it in your future. And you can always go back to Him. And I think there's just this element of them modeling that for me and showing that to me so well that I feel like I've never doubted my faith, even when it became my own, you know, when we all have those defining years where... You got to make your faith mm-hmm. your own. Um, but they just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm so grateful for just like their quiet way of living up the gospel every day in my life. And it certainly set me up just for a springboard to be able to, to do what I do today, to be able to talk to women the way I talk to them today. And I really owe that to just really, really good parents. Oh, that makes me want to give them a hug. I hope they listen to podcasts. Do they? I know. Well, I'm going to definitely tell them to listen to this one. That was really nice. (laughs) (laughs) It was true. It was all true. But yeah, it was a little more than I thought came out there. Oh, my goodness. So, Well, I am super thankful for them. And it's just really cool to see you kind of living on that legacy from a distance as I'm watching you and Emily just share about parenting and about the gospel on Risen Motherhood. And Laura, I have to say that you have had one of the greatest impacts on my life in the last six months, particularly with starting the podcast. And I just have to say thank you so much. Thanks for walking faithfully and thanks for just gifting us your time. And people, if you want more time with her, which everybody's like, "Uh, no duh, definitely go check (laughs) out Risen Motherhood if you haven't already. Oh, thank you, Hunter. I think that that is just, man, if I ever need to get a little affirmation, I'm coming back on this show and I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> okay. This is like the <laughs> easiest podcast just... to record probably because we're mutual podcasters. So I will have you exactly. back every week. Okay. Tell Emily. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but seriously, I really appreciate what you're doing here. I love just the heart behind Journey Woman. I love your heart. And, and for those listening, just Hunter and I have gotten to know each other over the past, like personally over the past, gosh, is it just been like a week, Hunter, or I two weeks? We, we've lost track we- of time. Obviously, we're both sleep deprived. Yes. So we've just started talking more personally, which has been really, really fun. And her heart is true and real and authentic. And so you've got 
just, um, you're just a great leader of this podcast hunter. So everything right back at you. I feel like this is going to turn into kind of an awkward affirmation fest, but, um, (laughs) well, thank you friends. Let us in. We could go on and on. So, (laughs) all right. I love you girl. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Doesn't Laura have the beautiful skill of tethering something so seemingly trite as decorating to the truths of the gospel? I'm so inspired to know the foundational elements of the gospel more and to continue making those connections in everyday facets of life. If you want to connect with Laura and Emily of Risen Motherhood, be sure to do so over at Risen Motherhood on Instagram or Facebook. As always, I'll be sure to link to their pages on the show notes at www.hunterbelist.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I'll see you here, same time, next week.